You're not supposed to laugh in church, are you? No. <laughs> you know what? It's a good place to laugh right there. Second Samuel chapter number 24, please. Second Samuel chapter number 24. And uh, I love your theme. Continue. You know, it's very interesting. Um, a couple of thoughts about that. Um, it's, uh, it's up to you. It's in your hands, whether you continue or not. I know you say, well, it's just a scripture verse. Well, it's in the Bible. It continue. It's up to you. It's plain and simple. It's up to you whether you continue or not. Secondly, when things come along to try and stop you, uh, I think of what Joseph said. He said, uh, I am not God. He said, am I in the place of God? So whatever happens to you, God knows about it, and God's allowed it to happen, so continue. And the grace of God... The grace of God is effective here. It's not my message this morning, but I like the theme. Maybe I'll just preach on it for a while. But uh, it, it, the grace of God will allow you to continue. But listen to this. The grace of God can't help you if you don't continue. So you can, act, you can uh, activate the grace of God. It's a wonderful thing. Continue. And I, I uh, I'm, again, I'm probably the oldest guy in the room, so... I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. You just It's one foot in front of the other. Matter of fact, sometimes it's uh, your knees and your hands in front of the other when you're, when you're crawling up the hill. Amen? Just continue. Just, uh, you know, God has, a, God has a time for you to be on. God knows when you're born, when you leave this earth, and you continue from the time you're born. <laughs> this is funny. I came into this life uh, crawling on the floor when my mother put me down there, and I'll probably leave this life crawling around looking for chocolate bars at home. <laughs> but just all I'm saying is continue. Okay, move on, Larry. Move on. <laughs> just want to say about the, uh, can I add something about the Johnson family? I'm so glad you uh, support them. And uh, we are from the same church that the Johnson family's from. Matter of fact, I. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. My, uh, my wife looked after Brian in the nursery at the church. Now, my wife was just a teenager. No, <laughs> but uh, she did. We counted a, a blessing and a privilege. And what a, what a group right there and uh, doing a work for the Lord. Uh, so 2 Samuel chapter number 24. Look, please, at verse number 1. 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse number 1. The Bible says, and again... The anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. Then drop down, please, to verse number 10. And David's heart smote him after that he numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done, and now I beseech thee, O Lord, Take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. When David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto, him, unto the prophet Gad. So we, this is interesting. We have God and we have Gad speaking to David right here. Interesting, isn't it? So thus saith the Lord, and, and go say to David, verse number 12, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came to David 
and told him and said unto him, Shall seven years of famine come unto thee in thy land? Number one. Or wilt thou flee three months before thine enemies? Number two. While they are pursuing thee? Number three. Or that there be three days pestilence in thy land? Now advise and see what answer I shall return to him that sent me. And David said, David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great, and let me not fall into the hand of man. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Now this morning, Lord, I pray that you would do that which only you can do, that you would convict and prick our hearts, Lord, from your word and the lesson we see here that you have for us today that we would be ever mindful of the fact that you know all and you see all and you take care of all even when we don't seem to do right, even when we fail. So I pray that you'd help us, speak to us by your Holy Spirit, use this hour to draw us closer to you, for it's in your name I pray. Amen. In our text here that we read a few moments ago, the last verse that we read, understand that David has, David has angered the Lord. Not a good thing to do, amen? I think we can agree with that. Because he numbered the people. He wasn't to number the people, and he did. You know how sometimes you're provoked and you go ahead and do things you're not supposed to do because you're provoked. And uh, David was provoked by the children of Israel, and there was a tough time going on. There was disobedience there, as we saw in the first verse we read and so on. And uh, simply out of, perhaps out of desire, he numbered the people. Because it's, it's kind of nice, you know, I, I guess I can relate as uh, being a former pastor saying, well, you know, we had 129 at church today. You know, it's something to talk about and maybe something even to boast about. We had a, well, and then a pastor friend of mine says, we had 153 and then there's always some other individual says, oh, we had 197. And so it's interesting how you can just go ahead and do that. But uh, I, I don't know why he did that necessarily. But uh, then God sends the preacher, it says the seer, it sends the preacher to tell him that God is, God is upset with him. And this is very fascinating, very interesting to me. So uh, David angers the Lord by numbering the people. And there's, when we anger the Lord, when we do that which is unrighteous, there's always a, 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 a reaction to that. There's always a price to pay, shall I say. So this is fascinating and interesting, and I love this, this text. That's why it, it grasps my heart. God gave him a choice of what he would do. We, and we read that. I want you to look at the verse again just so that we have it down in our, in our, uh, our minds. Verse number... Verse number 13, and Gad came to David and told him and said unto him, shall seven years of famine come unto thee in the land? So number one, now the punishment that God is going to lay on you, do you want seven years of famine or do you want to flee three months before your enemy or do you want three days of pestilence in the land? Now very interesting, and again, look at the, look at the scripture we read a while ago, verse number 10, and David's heart smote him after he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly. 
Very interesting. Let me ask the question. David's heart, we see here, was already broken. David, although human, had done something wrong, but he had a tender heart. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you that sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God that when you do something you know is wrong or when you do not do something uh, that you should have done, you know that's wrong, are you that sensitive that you just basically, when, when you're convicted about it, say, Lord, forgive me. Are you that sensitive? Good thing. You, you can't hide from God. Amen? And God, has, God knows everything we do, everything we say. God knows it all. So I wonder, are you that sensitive about your shortcomings, about your sins, about your iniquities? You see, God is going to allow here David to have a choice. He said, what shall, what shall I uh, do to, to, uh, to correct this matter? And David said this, as many of us have said, uh, I'm between a rock and a hard place right here. Mm-hmm. You've heard that expression? Mm-hmm. He said, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I know I have these three options, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what, uh, what is right for me to do. Some of you may be familiar with an expression I'm going to give in a minute. Some of us will not be because it's in time past. But in the year 1950, which is 70, 74 years ago, there was a man by the name of Dale Ellis. He was a general manager of a small insurance company. And he was working in his office, working diligently in his office uh, early in the morning, and he got a call from his wife. This was long before uh, cell phones, obviously, and that communication. Got a call from his wife that their only daughter had taken seriously ill and was sick unto death. And, of course, his reaction was, he'd better get home. So he set things aside at his office and prepared for uh, leaving and left things, left some instruction at the office and went on home. And uh, when he arrived at home, he, uh, his daughter had bedroom upstairs and so on. And, and by that time, the doctor had, had arrived. Can you feature this? Doctors made house calls in those days. They came with a little satchel with a stethoscope in it and some other tools and so on. And they came to your house. You didn't go sit five hours at the emergency. They came to your house. And so the, the man came in, and he rushed upstairs to his bedroom's daughter and his wife standing at the door, and uh, he's about to barge in. She said, honey, she said, just stop right here, please. She said, the doctor's inside. Listen to this. The doctor's inside the room attending to our daughter, and I'm sure the doctor knows what he's doing. Please give the doctor time. And she made this statement. She said, our daughter is in good hands. As the doctor was in the room. Well, as time passed, the, the, the doctor was successful in the treatment that he gave, and the doctor uh, left and, and so on, and the daughter uh, started to improve and so on. So when the man went back to his office, when Dale Ellis went back to his office, of course, the fellow workers asked, how's, how's your daughter, how's your daughter? And uh, he, said, uh, he said an amazing thing. He said that she's doing well and she's gaining ground and she's getting her health back. And this is a miracle and this is a wonderful thing and so on. And uh, he went on to tell what his wife had told him when he was standing outside the door of his daughter's room when he rushed home. And he said, my wife reminded me that the doctor was in the room and my wife said to me, honey, don't fear. She's in good hands. Interesting thing about this is this uh, 
at the, at the office when he told this story, that particular phrase stuck. She's in good hands. This man ended up being an executive with an insurance company called Allstate Insurance. Now, some of you will be familiar with this. Some of you not. I understand that. It's a long time ago. And they, they, they developed a slogan that they put on all their advertising. To this day, I think it's still there. The expression is this. You're in good hands with Allstate. Now, it originally was, are you in good hands? And I like that. Are you in good hands? But they developed that the most, one of the most common phrases in all of North America for many years, when anybody thought about any kind of insurance, be it health insurance, uh, be it house insurance, be it life insurance, was you're in good hands with Allstate. Interesting, isn't it? That thing stuck and is still used today, although Sears was related with Allstate and so on, and that relationship didn't work out. But uh, the truth is that it, it's still there. It's still in existence. I believe uh, last year, $40 billion uh, trade done with Allstate Insurance. But can I say to you this morning, simple little story, and some of you will identify with that, but can I tell you this morning that although that may be a popular, may have been a popular slogan, I have a great physician that is greater than any physician that will ever exist in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm in good hands with the Lord. You see, when I can't do what needs to be done, I'm in his hands. When I can't help those who need help, I'm in his hands, and so are they. I have one who is faithful. I have one who is gracious. I have one who is forgiving. I have one who is loving, and I'm in his hands. And you notice this expression. Please look in your Bibles again at, uh, at verse number uh, 14. And the Bible says, And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let us now fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercies are great. I don't want to fall into the hands of man this morning. I want to fall into the hands of God. You see, I'm glad that when I'm in trouble... I can be in his hands. I'm glad when I am doubtful, I can be in his hands. I'm glad when I'm in distress, I can be in his hands. The Bible says in another portion of Scripture, in the book of Exodus, the saints of God, listen to this, the saints of God are in his hands. Isn't that a wonderful truth this morning? Let us fall now, the Bible says, into the hands of the Lord, for he is merciful. I don't want to fall into my own hands. You know how sometimes we'll use that expression to say, well, he just took things into his own hands. Ah, uh-uh, not for me. I want to fall into the hands. I want to trust those hands that I can rely on. Let us fall now into the hands of the Lord, for his mercies are great. Those hands, those hands will never fail me. Those hands will never hurt me. Those hands will never abuse me. Those hands will never mislead me. Those hands will never betray me. Those hands will not do me wrong. They will never hurt me. Those hands will not harm me. Those hands will never let me down. Let us fall into the hands. Everybody knows what it's like to fall into somebody's hands. We've all trusted those who perhaps have let us down. We've trusted those who have failed us. But God never fails. In those nail-scarred hands, you see, those, those hands will help me. Those hands will hold me. Those hands will hasten me. Those hands will hide me. They will guide me. Those hands will heal me. Those hands will hold me up. So let us fall into the hands of the Lord. I'm not guiding my own life by my own hands. I want to be in his hands. 
I'm not relying on my own direction. I'm relying on his direction. The one who uh, bled and died on the cross for me. The one who rose again for me. The one who is interceding at the right hand of the Father for me right now. I want to be in his hands. And the one that's coming back for me. Let us fall now into the hands of the Lord. You see, those hands that scooped up the clay, listen to this, those hands that one day scooped up the clay. By the way, did you know the difference between man and animal? People say, well, we're just another animal. God spoke animals into existence. Hey, let there be an elephant, and there was an elephant. Hey, let there be a slug. I have no idea why God made slugs. No idea. But I'm sure he can explain it someday. It's like a mosquito. (laughs) Why? But that's beside the, you know, I have to laugh. Some people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about this. I don't think so. (laughs) You're going to walk around a thousand years with your mouth open, just looking at the place. Amen? (laughs) Wow, I cannot believe I'm here. Pinch myself, I'm here. (laughs) But God, God spoke, the Bible says, God said, let there be after their kind. But when God made man, he scooped down and took some soil and formed man and breathed into man and man became a living soul the bible says so you see those you were hey think about this you were made by the hand of god so isn't it a good idea to stay in his hands because things come to life that throw you off and by the way i don't want to burst your religious bubble this morning but the truth is everybody falls Now, it's your choice where you're going to fall. I would recommend and I would advise from personal experience, I would advise that you fall into the hands of the living God. You know, you say, well, I I will never fall. The Bible makes it very clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. You see, there's not a just man upon the earth. The Bible does say the just man falls seven times and gets back up again, and that's great. But you will fall. But where you fall is important. You ought to fall into his hands. Falling is not an option. You will fall. It's where you land that's important. And David said, I will not make a choice. This is interesting. He had, a, he had three choices here. He could have made those choices himself, but he didn't. He said, I'm going to let, wow, think about this. He said, I'm going to let God choose, although God gave me the choices. I'm going to let him choose because you know why? Because he's never wrong. Wow. Amazing. So it's a good idea to fall into his hand. You see, if I fall into his hands, there's mercy. If I fall into his hands, there's grace. If I fall into his hands, I know those are the hands of love. If I fall into his hands, I know those are the hands of forgiveness. If I fall into his hands, I know they're the hands of peace. I'd rather be in his hands for judgment than out of his hands for a good time. You may, you may say, well, you know how it is when we allow someone else to decide for us? You say, well, you make a decision for me. That doesn't always work out real good. But what I'm saying this morning is he never makes a mistake. Don't ever run from the hands of God. I heard an, a very fascinating, interesting story. I've heard more than one story like this because I lived in Surrey at one time. But there was a lady coming out of a shopping mall. She got into her car. And uh, she drove off, headed toward home. And uh, she noticed, in pulling out of the parking lot, she noticed this big, massive uh, truck, pickup truck, was following almost right up to her bumper. She pulled out onto the, the, the road, drove for a distance, and, and she, she was really troubled about this vehicle in the back 
that was following her so close. And it was irritating, the day before cell phones, obviously, it was irritating her. And so she thought, I'm going to take the highway home. I just want to get home and get away from this. Well, the truck followed her right onto the highway. And uh, then she pulled off the highway at the exit near to her house and so on. And she, it was, she was getting really tense about the whole issue. So she saw, uh, out of her, the corner of her eye, she saw a service station two blocks up the street. So she pulled into the service station. And uh, she pulled up to the pumps and she got out of her car quickly and uh, just ran up toward the building. And she noticed the, the individual driving the pickup truck right at her bumper. He jumped out of his truck. He did not chase after her. That's what she thought was happening. But he did not chase after her. He went and opened the back door in her car and grabbed a man by the clothes and hauled him out of the car. A man he saw had climbed in her car at the shopping mall just before she got into the car. And this guy turned out to be a known criminal and would have done her harm when he had the opportunity. Uh, Just a story. But what I'm saying is this, don't run from the hand of God. When God guides your path in a certain direction, don't take things into your own hands and try to run away. I mean, it was for this lady's good. Now, she, in all, all fairness, she did not know But the truth is, the action that she took at that point probably saved her life. And the guy following her was was the guy that that notified that something wasn't right. And so when when God is trying to get your attention, let him deal with you and let, let yourself remain in his hands. You know, people say, well, I don't want anything to do with things down at the church. They're not perfect down there. Well, when did you discover that? You say, well, I don't want anything to do with the Bible. The Bible is just full of do's and don'ts. You know, God is giving you guidance. That's why God gave the Ten Commandments, to help society. And that's why God has, uh, has, has built into us a conscience, and that's why God guides, and God has a book that tells us what we should do, what we should not do. If we do this, this will be the consequences. If we do not do this, this will be the consequences. That's why. And people say, well, I, don't, I just don't like listening to preaching. So listen to someone spout off about God all the time. Oh, it, it's very possible that God is wanting to give you some instruction that will save you that will save your, 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 spare you some difficulties in life? Yes, sir. You see, we have, we have no idea. You have no idea this morning. I have no idea what the remainder of 2024 will hold. No idea, absolutely. And it's not in our hands. But the truth is, I know whose hands it's in. I love that old... Uh, it's a spiritual or an old song from way back. He's got the whole world in his hands. But you know what's more important to me than that? I love the, he's got the, uh, the pretty little baby in his hand, I think is one verse, something like that. But you know what's important to me? He's got me in his hands. I'm not in a selfish vein, but I know I need him. I know I need my hands upon his life. You see, when I can't see his hands, I can trust him. I can trust his heart. And I have to do that in 2024. Let us fall now into the hands of the Lord. Psalm 139, verse number 8 says, If I ascend up into the heaven, thou art there. If if, If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. You know, sometimes it mentions hell there. If I, if I descend into hell, some of us, I venture to say, in this room, 
Some of us have gone through something in the past 12 months that we would consider maybe a taste of hell. Now, I don't really think it's that desperate, but to us it could be. But you know what? If that's the case, a good place to be is in his hands. Lord, I don't know what's right to do. You've given me three choices. Lord, I throw myself, I toss myself in your hands because you make no mistakes. So therefore, let us fall now into the hands of the Lord, for his mercies are great in the darkest hour. He says, thy right hand shall hold me. Isn't that a good thing? November the 13th, 2020, my wife and I were uh, driving in our uh, car back from Saskatchewan. We've been out to Manitoba, and we're taking a little bit of a trip back home and so on, and uh, just taking our time and enjoying the scenery of this beautiful country and just yeah, enjoying our time. No, no rush, and we had some plans along the way and so on. We got a call from our um, youngest son, Andrew, informing us that his son, Daniel, our youngest grandson, had been taken to Children's Hospital. He'd been in two other hospitals. He had an issue with his leg, and uh, it was getting serious. It was painful. He had a fever. His leg was swelling and so on, and they couldn't seem to find at the hospital what the problem was, so one doctor kindly recommended, you better go to Sick Children's Hospital. They went to Sick Children's Hospital and discovered it was very serious. He had infection in the bone in his leg, and we're traveling. We're far away. We can't get here. But we determined we're going to deadhead it back to the Vancouver area. When we got here, he'd been in hospital for a couple of days, and this was getting intensified, and, and you just don't know where it's going to go from there. I mean, a young, probably, I have seven grandchildren, and probably the most athletic, although the youngest, is Danny. He's just all from the, t- he runs out the door in the morning, and he's running when he comes home at night, and he's, he's a real athlete. He's the shortest kid. He, plays, he play, loves to play basketball with his older brother, who's five foot nine, and Danny's just a little short guy. But you know what? Competitives all get out. And I'm thinking, wow, this is tough. And the, the prognosis was not good. They'd gone in and taken some uh, material out of the bones and have it tested and so on, and there was some kind of issue with that. And, and we, we got home, and then uh, uh, after a couple of days, his mother actually stayed at the hospital with him. He was in the hospital for over a month. And we drove down to the hospital, and this was during COVID, of course, and we could not even get in to see him. I looked up. I'll never forget it. I get, matter of fact, I have a picture on my phone. I looked up in the children's hospital, looked up uh, several stories up, and they, his family had told me that in a particular window up there, you'll see a big cutout of, a, of the shape of a heart stuck in the window, and it's green, and that's his room. And I'll be honest with you, I looked up there, and I thought, I'm so, I feel so helpless. There's nothing I can do. I'm his grandpa. I love him. He's just the best. And, of course, the time came for surgery. And uh, he's put on that uh, stainless steel stretcher and wheeled up to the stainless steel doors. And then he goes through the doors. But you know what? Nobody else can go through the doors with him. Not Mama. Not dad, not grandpa, not grandma. Couldn't go through the doors with him. But you know, the good news is this. There's one who could go through the doors with him. Think about what David said in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What are the words? Thou art 
with me. And I came to a point in my personal for me, and I came to a point where I said, Lord, I, as a, as a, as a grandpa and as one who loves this young man, I put him in your hands because, Lord, I, I, could, I could call the best of physicians somewhere in California or I could give my advice, which wouldn't be very good to the doctors, or I could try to pull some strings or I could demand they let me go in, but that wouldn't have helped. But let us now fall into the hands of a living God because there's mercy there. You see, I came to that point where I put him in the Lord's hands in my mind. You see, he goes, he goes, listen to this, he goes, he goes with me, but when I can't go in, he goes for me and does what I cannot do. And that's why David said, listen, I have sinned against God. I have messed up. I've, I've, I've damaged this thing. But dear, dear God, please forgive me. These are the options God gave him. And he said, God, I don't want to make, I've already, <laughs> I've already made mistakes. I don't want to make any more mistakes. Lord, I fall into your hands because you're merciful. I don't want to fall into man's hands. Now, there's several things about this regarding falling into God's hands. Number one thought is this. Let us fall now into the hands of the Lord for his mercies are great. Those hands, those hands of the Lord, listen to this, those hands of the Lord are saving hands. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1. Listen to this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither is ear heavy that he cannot hear. Did you hear that? The Lord's hand is not shortened. The Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. I love the song that someone wrote. It said, the Savior reached down for me. He reached down further than I could reach up. He lifted me up and set my feet upon a solid rock. Those are saving hands. Our oldest son, Rob, is six foot four, and he's a tall guy. He has two siblings, two younger brothers. And I remember when they were, of course, siblings, sibling rivalry, they'd get, they all, you know, thought they were boxers and wrestlers and so on. And I picture to this day, uh, Mrs. Arbo, I remember Rob, his, uh, his youngest uh, brother would come up to him and he'd say, I'm going to fight you, I'm going to fight you. And Rob had this long arm. He just put it out and put it on his chest. And the guy would be beat in the air because he couldn't reach him. And the Bible says here that the Lord's hand is not shortened, that he cannot save. You may be here this morning, and I don't know if you've committed your life to the Lord or not, but you may say, well, uh, Pastor Arbo, or Pastor Turner, others, you don't know how far I've sunk low. You don't know, how, you don't know how, how, what a wicked life I've lived. It doesn't matter. He can reach you no matter how far down he has to go. So it's a saving end. Aren't you glad for that? My God can reach anywhere, can reach anyone at any time. I see living proof of that while I'm standing in this room. I look around. I don't know you. I don't know your past. But I do know that the Lord reached out one day and uh, touched you. The Lord reached out and got your attention and saved you. I'll reach out and got my attention. I'll put myself in, in this position. And saved my wretched soul. So today I know beyond all shadow of a doubt, my sins are forgiven. Jesus is my Savior. Christ is my Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit dwells within, and I have a home in heaven. You see, I'm a citizen of that country. 
And I'm guaranteed that because those hands reached out for me. Huh. You see, today you have a Bible in your hand. Isn't that good? You have a smile on your face. You have, like that. You have Jesus in your heart. And your soul is saved because someone reached out for you. What a saving hand. What a saving hand. <laughs> Again, I, I, I heard this, this story. It's interesting how, how the hands of God can reach out. And I love the stories. I love the story you told about those young guys getting saved through prayer and so on. And God can, God can touch just like that. Say, I need your attention. It's time for you to get saved. And then brings a soul winner along. I heard the story of a, uh, an older pastor who was near the end of his uh, of being a pastor, about to retire. And he, he was just burdened about one particular day, all alone on his own. He was burdened about giving out some gospel tracts. And so he drove down to the inner city. This was in the city of Baltimore. He drove down to the inner city, and it was a gusty, windy, stormy day, and he had a, a handful of tracks and put them on the dash and uh, went around to the other side of the car to get uh, something out of the car. And the tracks on the dash, the wind came in and blew them away. All of them just disappeared into thin air. And so he, uh, he spent some time walking up and down the street and talking to folks and so on and uh, trying to give the gospel. One year later, one year later, there was a man came to the church, walked in the door, came in and uh, introduced himself. And he said, uh, the gentleman said, are you the pastor? And he said, yes, I'm the pastor. The fellow said, is this tract from your church? And he says, yeah, that's, that's the, this is us. And he said, I don't know if you know this, but uh, over uh, where, where you must have been stopped with your car, over on the other side of the wall is a prison. And he said, I was in that prison for five years. And he said, I was sitting out on a bench one day in the yard while we were allowed out for a period of time. And he said, he said I was, I'm sitting there, and he said, this piece of paper came from nowhere, it seemed. And he said, I was at the end of the rope. He said, I didn't want to live anymore. And he said, I looked down at the paper and I picked it up. And he said, I read it. And he said, I read the gospel. Don't, don't, ever, don't ever underestimate what God can do. There's a part for you to play, but there's a part for him to play as well. And the man right there prayed and received Christ as Savior. He said, I just wanted to come and let somebody know that this address, someone was willing to at least attempt to put out the gospel. So you see, those are saving hands, and God can take care of that. It's amazing what God can do. Someone wrote the words, shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of sin and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer a slave. Everybody Jesus touched in the New Testament changed their life. So it's a saving hand. It's also a secure hand. John 10, 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's, what's the word, or my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So he says here, you can't pluck them out of my hand, and you can't pluck them out of the Father's hand. I don't know if you've seen this illustration, but this represents me. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. This is Jesus here. The hand is the Father's hand. 
So you see, in order for Satan to get to me, he has to go through the Father, and he has to go through Jesus. And that, correct English, but that ain't going to happen. Amen? As far as taking your salvation, by the way, it's his salvation anyway. The Lord of the salvation. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. So understand that when you accept Jesus, when you repent of your sins, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you confess your sins to him, you ask him to come in and clean up your life and clean up your heart and save you, give you eternal life, help you to live for him, and then take you to heaven someday, you have what's called eternal life. And no man can take that from you. Because why? Because you're in his hand for salvation, but you're also in his hand for security. Nobody can take your salvation from you or that salvation from you. I and the Father are one. And then we'll wrap this up here. How about this? At the hand of sufficiency. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto thee. A song was written by a man by the name of Thomas Chisholm. In the early 1900s, Thomas Chisholm, all his adult life, all his adult life, you can read about it, he suffered health issues, he had poor health, and he basically lived in poverty all his adult life. Yet he continued serving God, and although these things haunted him all his life, he sat down one day and penned these words, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, our Father, there is no shadow of turning from Thee. All I have need of Thy hands have provided. Great is Thy faithfulness, Lord, unto Thee. Great is Thy faithfulness. Great is Thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And to repeat, all I have needed, Thy hand hath provided. Great is Thy faithfulness. Great is Thy loving kindness. Great is thy forgiveness. Great is thy grace. You see, he is all sufficient. Someone else wrote a song that says, Every need he is providing. Plenteous grace he bestows. Every day my path grows brighter. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. So we see that hand this morning, a hand of salvation. He can save you. The hand of security. Once you're saved, you're secure in him. Because let me tell you, the devil will try to convince you that you, you've lost your salvation. Oh, really? Well, the devil one day is the guy that's going to lose. Amen? But he can't take your salvation from you. A hand of sufficiency. And then, um, finally, a hand of supervision. In other words, a guiding hand. You know, I see the hand of God guide me. Notice David had three options here. And he said, let God choose. Let God choose. God, you choose because you don't make mistakes. Now, again, in, in, if you uh, turn your Bibles again to 2 Samuel, uh, chapter number 24, and look, please, at verse number 25. Verse number 25. Look what, look what it says here. And, the Bible, and, and David, I'm sorry, the Bible says, and David built there an altar unto the Lord, an off, uh, offering and a peace offering, a burnt offering and a peace offering, so the Lord was entreated for the land, and the plague was stayed from Israel. So what did David, after being through that, what did David do? He built an altar unto the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We sing the little song. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. 
Thank you, Lord, for saving my hide. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for, for helping me when I, I fail and I falter. And yes, we do fail and we do falter. And we do fear beyond our own understanding sometimes. It's not, it's not a sin to fear. Can I say this? It's not a sin to fear. It's a sin to allow your fear to not, to not be in God's will. Not do God's will, I should say. So understand. <laughs> Let us now, now. I mean, that's, that's the 18th of February. Let us now fall into the hands of the Lord for he is merciful. What a lesson. Leaning on him, putting yourself in his hands. What child would not remember a mother or a father taking them by the hands? Oh, by the way, it says again in a song someone wrote, and he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day. So you see, all, all we need to do is to continue and put ourselves in his hands. That's not a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth we see here.